Well, good morning. Good to see you today. Uh, this last week, my daughter and my wife were able to go to kids camp and they came back yesterday and, uh, we got in the house and uh, I said, Grace, tell me about your week. And she said, man, I had a lot of fun. It was awesome. She said, one of the things that I loved was this trust fall thing that we learned. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, well, it's this thing where you stand like this. Well, here, daddy, you get up and you do this with me. I said, all right. So I got up and she stood over there and, and she said, now I'm going to, I'm going to go like this and I'm going to just fall back. Okay. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to, you're going to catch me. And I said, okay, that's, that's good. And so she started to do it. And she said, so you're going to catch me. I said, yep, yep, you're going to catch me. Okay, here I go. And she went to fall back and she kind of caught herself. She did it like two or three times. And I finally said, I'll catch you. She goes, well, that's good. Because when I was in the swimming pool at camp, I tried to do it and the kids didn't catch me. And I just fell right in. And I said, well, honey, I'll, I'll catch you. And she looked at me and I said, no, I will. I'll catch you. So she, okay, dad. And so she fell back and I caught her and it was fine. And I share that with you today because in this series that we're talking about going live, trusting in who you can't see despite the circumstances that you can see, sometimes it's hard to have faith and trust God because other people, just like she was talking about the kids in the pool, have let us down before. And when people let us down, it's real easy to transfer that same thing to God. So as we're talking about faith today, I just want to cut the tension for just a minute and say some in this series, it is hard sometimes to trust in who in in God, who we can't see despite the circumstances that we can see because our past experiences tell us if you trust people, they will let you down at times. And we know just from experiences, even people that love us and people that we love, they let us down and we let them down. But we also know that through Christ, he never lets us down. And so we're talking about in this series, trusting in who we can't see, despite the circumstances that we can see. The writer of Hebrews says that it is impossible to please God without faith. If you think of any marriage or friendship or working relationship that's healthy, what you'll find in those relationships that are healthy is trust. It's hard to have a strong relationship when you don't have trust. And our walk with God is no different. If we don't have a strong relationship with him, it's going to be really hard to have faith. So one of the things that we want to kind of lay the groundwork with today, as we're going to be talking about faith specifically with conflict, is that an updated relationship with God is what fuels a person's faith in God. An updated relationship with God is what fuels a person's faith in God. Have you ever been friends with somebody for a really long time and then all of a sudden you don't see them for a few years and you get back together and things are not awkward, but things aren't quite what they used to be. But if you start spending time with them again, it's like you just pick up where you where you left off. 
And that time where maybe it's a little bit awkward or tense for a little bit is simply because you guys haven't been around each other in a while and, and things have changed. You've gotten married and they've gotten married and you've had kids and things aren't what they used to be because you don't see each other as often. And that relationship takes a little bit of time to bounce back. And I say that today because as we're talking about faith and this walk with God, talking about just having a relationship with him, if we're not in that close relationship with him, it's really easy to not want to trust. But as we're walking with him daily, reading his word and talking with him, that intimate relationship stays strong. We've been covering a lot of ground and today we're talking about how to have faith in the midst of conflict. We talked a lot about, about suffering and, and trials and, and that our works need to have actions behind them. But today we're looking at conflict and the word conflict means to come into collision with, to, to have a disagreement with, to be contradictory, uh, to have a clash. When we think of the word conflict, many of us put conflict in a bad category. But the truth is conflict is not a bad thing. Can we say that together? Conflict is not a bad thing. Now, there's two things that my wife and I always have conflict over. Any movie that we're going to watch, her and I have conflict over. Because she always wants to watch some kind of romantic movie or a drama or something like that. And I would rather watch something that's got action in it. Amen? Is anybody else like that? Yeah? Yeah, and others would rather watch the romantic movies or the dramas or things like that. There's conflict. The other conflict that we have all the time is where to eat. We always have to pick some place that serves bland food because I'm the only one in my family that doesn't like bland food. Everybody else kind of likes, I'm trying to get Noah to where he likes more spicy food, but everybody's got a pretty simple palate. And so many times we'll go someplace that has bland food and every once in a while I'm like, I don't want to go there. I want to go somewhere where we can have some good food. So that's one of the conflicts that we have. Conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. However, if God's not first in our life, it's not just eating somewhere or movie selections. Conflict can be a bad thing when we allow it to overwhelm us and we choose to go down a wrong path with it. James, in the book that we're looking at, uh, we've been studying the book of James over the last few weeks. There's five main chapters in this book, and today we're in chapter 4, and James is talking about conflict. He's talking about how they argue and they quarrel over things that really don't matter. In fact, he says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Those of us who, have parent, who are parents that have kids at home in the summertime, sometimes I feel like they'll argue just because they're bored. They don't have anything to do, and so they just start quarreling with each other. So that's when we give them a chore to do. And I remember as a parent saying, why are we arguing? Why are you guys arguing? James is almost doing the same thing. He's saying, why are you guys fighting and quarreling among yourselves? Don't you realize that it comes from the evil desires at war within you? He goes on to say, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have. Man, he's laying it on thick. But you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. And then he says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. In other words, instead of putting faith in me for those disagreements that you have, you're just taking it into your own hands and taking care of it yourself. And even when you do ask me, You don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You ever had someone come to you and they ask you something and you know their motives aren't right? 
He knows that and he says that. You only want what will give you pleasure. And remember, pride is what kills things. He said, God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. He gives grace generously, as the scripture says, and he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he's talking to them about conflict. So here's what he says. When it comes to conflict, humble yourselves before God. Resist the enemy, the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's read it together. Come close to God and God will come close to you. So essentially what James is writing here is that they're having this conflict with the Romans and they're getting into all these petty arguments about all these different things and it's causing their faith to be weak. And so as we think about that today, I want to talk to you about conflict today because it's not just some boring scripture that I just read 2,000 years ago that was taking place. We also have conflict. And within this passage of scripture, I think there's three different places where we have conflict and where they had conflict. They had conflict with God. They were having conflict within themselves. And they were having conflict with others. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because the truth is, we have conflict with God at times. We want to do this, and God wants us to do something different. And that's conflict. Sometimes we have conflict within ourselves. We want to... We know we should do the right thing, but there's a part of us that wants to do the wrong thing. And many of us, if not now, at times we will, we have conflict with others. So we're going to look at that today. But the truth is, is that our faith should change how we view and handle conflict in three ways. And the first one is with God. Faith in Christ, let's read it together, guides how we view and handle conflict Faith in Christ guides how we view and handle conflict with God. Now, this is what happens. When God wants something for us and we want something different for us, as I mentioned earlier, we have conflict. And so what do we do with that? I remember uh, I actually went to this church as a kid. Um, My parents moved here when I was, I think, like 11 or 12 years old. And I got involved in the youth group at this church. And um, I don't remember what was happening, who the speaker was, but I remember there was a night where I felt the Lord was calling me to be a a minister, to be a pastor, that he was calling me into ministry. And I was at conflict because I was trying to believe, did I hear that or did, did, do I, you know, was that God's voice? Um, I was at conflict because I didn't want to do that. I was at conflict because I didn't know how that was going to work. And so I remember going home and talking with my dad about that and saying, I, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. Of course, you know, I'm kind of teary. I'm a kid at the time. And, you know, he began to unpack that with me. And for about six years, I wrestled with that. I changed my major like six times while I was in college. I dropped out of college here at Pitt State and I was working, you know, doing something completely different. My life was just heading down the wrong road, kind of like the story Jonah, if you know the story Jonah. God told Jonah to go a specific direction, and he's going the opposite direction. And I wanted to play baseball, and I tried out at Pitt State, and I didn't make it. And so my dad, I didn't realize what he was doing, but he he started saying, well, you know, you could play baseball at Mid-America. You could try it there. And so he used that leverage with me to get me to go up there. And I went up there, and I tried out for baseball, and that was fine for a while. But 
really what ended up happening was God was calling me to be a pastor. And I was on the dorm one night, the dorm hall, and these guys invited me to go to the devotional down the way. And so I went with a bunch of guys, and I'm sitting in this room, and I don't even know what the guy was saying. I don't know what was talked about. I just know that God just got in my face and in my grill, and I, my ears started ringing. And he said, I put a call on your life when you were 16 years old, and I want you to be a pastor. And I want to tell you that that conflict had reached its breaking point. And I said, yes. You know that song we sung earlier, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And I said, God, okay. I didn't know any answers. I didn't know what that was going to mean. But I'm telling you, there was a peace that passes all understanding that the Bible talks about that, that came into my heart. And I went the next morning and I changed my major and the Lord just worked on my life. And when we have, con- I don't know how else, I mean, this, that's my story. And when we have conflict with God, what we need to do is what I struggled to do for the longest time is I had to settle the question of who is going to be in control. And for six years, I, it was the little W, not the big W that was in control, which was me. And all I got in return was misery. Jonah tried to go the wrong direction, but storms and fish and all kinds of things came into that story. And I want to share with you today, if you're running from God, you know God is, this is kind of heavy for the middle of the message, but... And you know there's something miserable inside of you. It's because God's trying to talk to you. And sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. And what you're nauseous about spiritually is because God's trying to get you to settle that question. And much like me, and still at times like me, when he asks me to do something I'm not comfortable with, we wrestle with that. But when we settle that question, that's when real life begins. And that's when God is able to use us in mighty ways. Paul wrestled with this same question. But it looks like, according to the scripture, he settled it. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. And I don't live anymore. Now that's hard for us to understand because we think tangibly and practically. And that doesn't even make sense. What he's saying is, my old life is gone and I've given the Lord my life and he lives in me. So the life that I live here on earth happens through trusting not my own ways or somebody else's, but through the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. When we have conflict with God, which at times we will, it doesn't mean we're sinning. It means we want this and God wants that and there's conflict. Jesus had conflict with God. We see that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, hey, listen, I know you set this all up. This is kind of your big moment here where you've asked me to come down, die on the cross. I realize that. But if there's another way, I really would like to do that. And before I say the next part that we, many of us know, the thing that I love about that is that that's real. The Son of God emotionally, 
was open to doing something different. He didn't necessarily want the plan at that moment that God had for him. But what we see in the next phrase is Jesus saying, not my will, your will. I don't always want to go to Hobby Lobby. But my wife does. And sometimes I don't go to Hobby Lobby. But sometimes I do. Not because I want to go. Because she makes me go. (laughs) So as we're talking about faith, emotions don't have anything to do with it. It's a choice. And we can choose to settle that conflict by simply saying, God, you're in charge. Conflict with God is not the only conflict that we have. Conflict within ourselves is another conflict that we oftentimes battle. You know that we know the right thing to do, but we don't want to do it. Paul, who I find comfort in this verse because we all feel this way. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. Have you ever felt that way? Like you don't even know. What's wrong? I don't even know. He says, I don't understand myself for I want to do what's right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And he goes on for a few verses. He's simply saying here, there's a conflict within myself. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I want to do what's right, but I inevitably I do the wrong thing. And then after he goes through this little deal with himself, he says, the solution is, thank God, The answer is not within myself. The answer, let's read it, is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He goes on to say, remember, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is what lives in you and me. And so even though I want to do the wrong thing and want to pick the wrong thing, and and at times when I don't have God first, I do pick the wrong thing. But remember, Paul says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus you and I from the dead because of Jesus, it lives, he lives in you. So you don't have an obligation, friends, he says, to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. We talked about last week our tongue, having faith with our tongue, to trust God with our tongue. Have you ever wanted to say the wrong thing, but you chose not to because the Lord said don't say that? And what Paul's saying here is you have no obligation to say the thing you shouldn't say. Just because you feel like saying it. Remember, you were crucified with Christ. Jesus lives in you. You don't have to say what you shouldn't say. But you don't know how stupid they are. I know that, Kyle, but you can't say that. You're not under obligation to do the wrong thing. He says, so letting your sinful nature control your actions and specifically your mind, it leads to death. It leads to a dead end. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It's having that resurrected perspective. So what do we need to do when we have conflict with ourselves? I think it's the same thing that I would tell my kids. Do the right thing. Do the right thing in God's eyes by trusting in his strength over your own desires. If you're in conflict with yourself, there's no magic pill that's all of a sudden going to make you feel differently. 
It's trusting in God enough to say, I'm going to do the right thing in God's eyes by trusting in what he has for me rather than my own desires. You remember where your own desires go, according to this scripture. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us what? Away. And then he gives a quick little example. You talk to your kids, your grandkids about choices they make. We all do that. This is the formula right here. The desires that you have. Remember, Jesus had a desire. His desire was to not do what God wanted him to do, but he chose differently. But if Jesus would have chose to continue down that path, those desires would have had a baby, and that baby would have been called sinful actions. And those sinful actions, as they're watered and allowed to grow, they give birth to death. But as we put our trust and our faith in Christ, he gives us us the strength to do the right thing. Say that with me. Do the right thing. It's not always the sexy thing. It's not always the easy thing. It's not always the thing that's going to get you a pat on the back. But deep within your heart, you know that you did the right thing. When we have conflict in ourselves, may we have faith to trust in God to say, I'm choosing the right thing regardless of what my feelings tell me. The last thing that we have to have faith with as we think about conflict and relationships is with others. How we view and handle conflict with others is impacted through the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. In high school, I watched this movie, I think it was in high school, called Les Miserables. And there's, they've, been, they've made recent, more recent versions. But in this movie, there's a, a guy, his name's Jean Valjean, and he's basically a no-good thief and just does all kinds of bad things. And he breaks into this priest's house and steals some stuff, and he actually hits the priest because the priest wakes up and is like, who's in my house? And then the priest does something that really would make me think about how to handle conflict. Is anybody there? this man. Thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed (laughs) that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. 
You really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam Gino, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. If you've seen the movie, the whole movie, you know that that's a turning point in the robber's life where he becomes a great person and begins to do all kinds of great things. There's a story with it, but I share that with you today because as we have faith in Christ, it changes how we handle and how we view conflict with other people. As, I, as I'm watching that, I'm thinking of it from the priest's perspective. He could have easily just said he's, he's guilty. But because the priest had a relationship with Christ and the love of God inside of them, he began to see this man not just from a guilty perspective, but from a perspective of what would happen if grace would begin to encounter this man's life and we could change the outcome of this man's life. In your life and in my life, we have people that we have conflict with. And oftentimes when we have that conflict, we want them to feel what they did. An eye for an eye. You hurt me, I hurt you. And that makes sense on paper. But if we understand that that's not what Jesus did for us. In fact, if Jesus would have done what on paper what he should have done, then this is a whole other situation that we're talking about here today. We're not standing here. We're not doing this. But because Christ died for us and because his spirit lives in us and because like Paul said that I have been crucified with Christ we are able to do what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 and we're able to submit to one another not because they didn't steal the candlesticks and they didn't steal the silverware so we can give them grace we can give them grace and we can submit to them because we also stole the candlesticks and we also stole the things we shouldn't and we were also guilty and Christ forgave us so we ought to forgive other people in conflict with others. We don't have to submit to them because they deserve it. We submit to them out of reverence for our relationship with Christ. We forgive because Christ forgave us. And we put our trust in the one 
person who put actions behind it and died for our sins. What would it look like if in your relationships with other people and you've settled the question of who is in control that you begin to give grace and that grace may simply be a, just a quick question what can i do to help us resolve this conflict let's read that together what can i do to help us resolve this conflict i don't want to sound like dr phil i'm not saying that i don't want to ask that question because that's going to that would mean that i would have to humble myself and i'm full of myself and pride so i can't do that Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And when we humble ourselves before God and his spirit enters our life, it's not our power that's able to ask that question. It's Christ's power. What can I do to help us resolve this conflict? Now, sometimes we go and we ask that person, what can I do to help us resolve this conflict? And they say things that aren't really nice. And we turn that question to God and say, Lord, what can I do to resolve this conflict? What can I do? You know what you can do, Kyle, or what you can do, John, or what you can do, Sally? You can keep taking this situation to me. You don't need to go to the phone. You just go to the throne. You don't need to call everybody and say they're mad at me and woe is me. You need to keep coming to me with it and say, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. Faith is trusting God regardless of the conflict that you're in. And then when God gives us that answer or maybe with our spouse or with our child or with our grandparent and they tell you what the conflict is and what you need to do, then we need to do that. If it's within reason, you know what would resolve the conflict is if you killed this person for me. Well, we know that's not of God. We know that's not how to resolve the conflict. If they're asking you to do something that doesn't match up with God's word, then that's not what we're supposed to do. But as a rule of thumb, when we're having conflict with people, I asked my wife one time, what can I do to help resolve conflict with you? She said, help me. I need you to help me till the kids are in bed. You help them give baths. You help them with their homework. You help me clean up the kitchen. Help me. then I've got to do that. Don't tell her that though. Faith in Christ guides how we view conflict and how we handle conflict. So the big question today, and we're done, is this. And I'm asking myself this. Who are you and I putting our faith in when it comes to conflict? Who are you and I placing our faith in when it comes to conflict? Are you putting your faith and your hope in, you know what, they've never responded before, so they're never going to respond again, and so it's hopeless. Well, if you're believing that, then your hope and faith isn't in Christ, it's in what you've seen already. You're putting your hope and your faith in the circumstances that you see. And remember, our definition is trusting in who we can't see despite the circumstances that we what? 
What would it look like if you said, I'm going to start trusting in God that he's going to fix this situation. I'm going to start taking this issue to him. I'm going to start doing the right thing even when I feel like doing the wrong thing. I'm going to, for once and for all, settle the question of who is in control. The pattern that I see in my life where I have to apologize or I have to or I make the wrong choice or I say the thing I shouldn't say most of the time it just comes back to whether I realize I'm doing it or not I'm in control. I grew up in a small little church where they said you settle this question of who's in control and that's the last time you ever have to settle that question. Let me tell you today, you have to settle that question every day. God, you're in control today. God, you're in control this afternoon. God, you're in control. Because Lord, if I'm in control, I'm going to mess this up. Jesus died so that his spirit's available that he can be in control. And as we walk with him more and more and more and continue to be in relationship with him, the same way when we go on vacation, we feel closer to our family when we get back or when we've had a date night and we haven't had in a while, all of a sudden we feel closer than we've ever done before. We, we go on a trip with one of our kids and it's just the two of us and we feel closer when we get back. There's no mystery behind that. Time together equals intimacy in any kind of a relationship. And when we spend time with God on a daily basis, we're able to walk in that step with his spirit. So as we stand together this morning, I guess my first question is, have you settled who's in control? If you haven't today and you'd like to do that, maybe you'd like to just come and write a, on a yellow piece of paper, You are God. You're in control. And you want to tack it to the cross. Yeah, we can go ahead and stand. Maybe with point number two, there's something you're struggling with. By the way, we all deal with that. And you'd like to write that down, whatever that is, however important or however insignificant you think it is. And just write it on that piece of paper and you see the cross there. Jesus died and you can throw that away because Christ died for you. Or maybe today, you know God's calling you to apologize or to make it right. Or maybe to accept the apology of someone else. And you just like to come and symbolically say, Lord, and write something down. Come to the altar. As I mentioned earlier, we've got kids going to camp. people coming back from El Salvador, other needs that you have. If you'd like to come and pray about one of those things or what we talked about today, you're more than welcome to do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that faith is not based on feelings. We thank you, Lord, that faithfulness produces fruitfulness. And Lord, may we trust you when it comes to conflict. May we trust you, Lord, when you're calling us to do something that maybe we don't want to do. May we trust you, Lord, when we're wrestling within ourselves. May we trust you, God, 
when we've done everything we know to do to fix it with someone and it's not working, may we just trust you. We give you praise, Lord, and honor for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to put some actions behind what we believe this morning. As I mentioned earlier, uh, well, along with a lot of needs today, I mentioned that Garrett's mom is in the hospital and isn't doing well. And so today we would like to just take up a love offering as we leave today for Garrett and his family and all those involved. And so if you'd like to do that, just mark it so that we know that it's specifically going to them. And just drop that in any of those offering boxes, either one of these two or there's one out in the lobby. But we would just like to love on them in a practical way today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that uh, you love us despite our imperfections. Father, we lift up Garrett's family. We just pray that you'd be with his mom today. Father, we thank you that you care about the number of hairs that are on her head and we pray that you just be with them today. Lord, we pray, Father, especially that you would just give us your strength to be able to deal with conflict. Help us to settle the question, Lord, today. Help us to do the right thing. Father, help us to extend an olive branch to those that we have conflict with. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Guide and direct us today. We give you praise and glory and honor. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.